Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Saturday, April the 22nd, 2023. It's become rather fashionable these days, especially on keen on to bash universities and the educated classes. Um, we've done shows um, on uh, how elite universities divide, disorient, and diminish us. Uh, one with Evan Mandery, who's the book, uh, who's the author of a new book called Poison Ivy, uh, a critique of elite colleges. Uh, we've done critiques of universities with the uh, scholar Devarian Baldwin about how universities are plundering our cities. Uh, and we've done even shows asking what the point of universities are in our age of fake news and radical inequality. So one would expect when one has a fast company journalist on the show with a new book out that he would be contributing to this critique of universities and our current education system. But that isn't the case. Christopher Zara works for Fast Company, and he has a new book out. It's not called Educated. In fact, it's called The Reverse, Uneducated. Um, it is his memoir of flunking out, falling apart, and finally finding his worth, in contrast to so many journalists these days at places like Fast Company and The New York Times. He didn't go to a fancy school, but nonetheless, he lives in New York City, Christopher Zara, and he's joining us now. Christopher, uh, how did you get from flunking out to uh, the Upper West Side of New York City uh, and a job at Fast Company Magazine, one of the top uh, tech business magazines around? Um, well, first of all, thank you, uh, Andrew, for having me on. Um, the answer to that question is that is really sort of what the book is about or it, there is a beginning where I'm you know sort of at the World Trade Center in the, in the fast company office on the 29th floor thinking that about that same question how did I get here um, over my course of working in journalism for 20 years I had become uh, you know extremely aware that I was an anomaly as someone not only who didn't finish college, but really didn't finish high school. I was um, ejected from my high school um, in 11th that's a, grade. That's a curious word. Some people might just say you were thrown out. What did you yeah. do wrong? I bet it, what was it, drugs? Yeah, uh, well, that, that came later. I was all in the book. <laughs> um, but, well, we don't want to give everything away, but we want to yeah. encourage people to read it. It's out next month. Yeah, it's out, it's out on May uh, 16th. So, um, so I had some what, what you might call behavioral um, problems that kind of sprang up um, occasionally. And I, I think I tested the last nerve of, of a lot of the um, administrators. Yeah, and you were kicked school. out of a New Jersey high school. You've got to be really bad to be kicked <laughs> out of a New Jersey high school. Uh, I mean, they're all hooligans, hooligans yeah. down there. In a, in a way, yeah. I mean, there was a sort of uh, one-upmanship of who could um, do the, you know, the most outrageous things in school. I, th I think what happened in in my case was there was uh, there were a bunch of suspensions and at a certain point it was uh, they they knew like if I, they kept suspending me that I would fail the year anyway. And then um, I think they just eventually told my mom, you know, we just don't we don't want your son back. And that's the um, 
I uh, have kids myself, and I know that there are kids from the elites who misbehave at school. They don't tend to get thrown out. Their parents get yeah. involved. They bring in counselors. They put them in other schools. Uh, was the fact that you got thrown out a reflection of your socioeconomic status? You, you mentioned your mother. Yeah. Um, were you yeah. or are you part of, of what coastal elites called the white working class? Yeah, I mythological. Think, uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're, I think we all know that the, the term working class has a lot of different um, definitions depending on who you're talking to. But um, yeah, I think that's a really good observation. So, like, you know, it's possible that had I been in a, a from a family that um, that prioritized college and education in particular, that I might have been encouraged to to figure out how to get back on the right track after I mean, that it's more incident. than probable i think it would be almost inevitable that right. the, the, the wealthy the privileged the powerful they know their way around their own system so they know you have to go to you not only have to go to university you certainly have to graduate high school right and i came from a a, a, a neighborhood really where it wasn't that unusual to well, in my case, getting kicked out was probably a little bit unusual, but I knew a lot of kids that just stopped going, a lot of kids that didn't graduate. And certainly most of the, the people I went to high school with in that neighborhood and where I came from in Trenton, New Jersey, um, didn't go to college. I mean, some did, but but most didn't. And it wasn't unusual. My parents didn't. Um, no one in my immediate in my immediate family did. So there really wasn't anyone to tell me that this is the path you have to take. And I had to figure that out for myself. Later, much later, when I after like a decade, right? And and Christopher, we've done a lot of shows on the American experiment, what's good and bad about it. We did one with Alyssa Court on why we need to liberate ourselves from the American dream. She has a new book out, Bootstrap. The assumption uh -huh. is that Americans want to make something of themselves. It is one of the messages in, in, in your new book, uh, Uneducated, that the truth is that most of them don't that they're lost in the system and that the idea, the ideal of everyone trying to bootstrap themselves and educate themselves out of, uh, out of, um, yeah. out of their current circumstances is, is a misunderstanding. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's true that we're all, you know, we're all, um, I don't want to say victim, but we're all like, you know, sort of, um, at the whims of circumstance more than we'd like to admit. I think that in my case, there was a, a lot of luck that just happened. I, I getting some of the opportunities that I got in journalism, the un, you know, which were unusual for someone with my background was, uh, there was a lot of luck. Like I happened to be in, in a spot where someone was hiring and they needed someone. Um, I met the right people in a few different circumstances, but a lot of people don't have those, you know, small bits of luck and it's really easy to have it's like everything um christopher we we're doing a show tomorrow um uh with a british political philosopher daniel chandler he has a new book out free and equal what would a fair society look like um yeah. and uh chandler is very much focused on reinvigorating the philosophy of, of, of John Rawls, um, who, who speaks about luck in his, um, in his political philosophy, suggesting that we all have to acknowledge that yeah. we have good or bad luck, and we have to assume that we could be unlucky if we're to rethink our political system. Is there some truth to that in your view? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of truth to it. I, um, I think that it's partially luck, and then it's partially... 
when the opportunities do come, you do you do have to take control of them and seize them to to the extent that you can. And there are certain times when I've looked back and said, I failed at that. Like I, there was a situation, you know, X, Y, Z, where I could have, and high school is a great example. Like I could have succeeded if I really wanted to. Um, I wasn't completely. Um, but that's easy to be critical of your 15 or 16 year old self. <laughs> exactly. All, yeah. We've all been critical of that. But once we grow up, it's, it's much easier to be. Yeah. To, so to yeah. Like analyze ourselves and our mistakes. I mean, you must have done something right. Yeah, when when the, when the time came and I did get a, a couple of lucky breaks in the, in the world of journalism, I did everything I could to keep to keep them. And and when I first came to New York City, especially like there were times when I was living in SROs and I had a roommate that I didn't like and and all the things that happen when you move here and you do everything you can to stay. Like I applied and worked at frame shops when I first got here. Um, just and I would have continued to do that just until I got my footing because it was like at that point you you tell yourself you know that you have to do everything you can to succeed so i think that like to, to your earlier point about like are do we think of success are we thinking of success in the wrong way in, in our society I, I don't really have the answer to that question but i do know like for me personally it's helped me to think about not that i'm not completely powerless and that i have some uh, control over my my destiny now that's again easy to say in hindsight when you get those those lucky breaks, but like you you have to kind of you have to I think you have to convince yourself of that a little bit even if it isn't true. What's the fetish in this country, Christopher, with education? Uh, Tara Westover's book, Educated, mm -hmm. a memoir. You obviously uh, yeah. had I, I, uh, one eye on on her title of her book when you mm -hmm. when you uh, named your book Uneducated. I mean, it's had. It's astonishing, really, truly astonishing. It's had 206,000 reviews on, yeah. uh, on Amazon. Now, it's an interesting book, but I don't quite understand why. It's not that interesting a book. What is it about education? Is it because Americans see it as a miraculous thing, as the thing that can transform working class people into successful people? Well, what I found as someone with no traditional education working among people who had it and this is like almost everyone and it's not just we're not just talking about like state schools most of the people i work with uh, have gone to you know in, in many cases ivy league universities in many cases they have master's degrees and beyond uh, i found that it, there's a real power to education to shape your identity and for me it shaped my identity in the opposite way i was so afraid to talk about my background at work which is partially why I ended up writing the book about it was I realized how irrational it was at a certain point. Like I was terrified that what if they asked me, where did I go to school? And I would have no answer for it. And it would ring throughout the entire newsroom and everyone would, the, the record player would stop and everyone would turn around and look at me. Like it's, that's how I envisioned it. <laughs> that's how the life. movie has to start. I can yeah. just imagine it. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I laugh, but in a, in a sort of chilling way, you're absolutely right. It's just assumed at places like Fast Company, that you went somewhere. You might not have gone to Harvard. If you'd gone to a state school, you might have been slightly embarrassed. But the idea you didn't go anywhere is unthinkable in this Yeah, house. Yeah, it is. And, and, I, and I think it's changing a little bit. I do think, like, to back to the earlier discussion of, you know, a lot of big companies now, like Google and GM and 
Delta Airlines are dropping their um, degree requirements for a lot more roles. It's not to say that you can go out and be a doctor without getting, you know, the proper um, training and education for it. But it, it, there are a lot. We've moved into a system where you need that college degree for so many roles that maybe it wasn't necessary. And I think especially since the, um, the, the 2008 um, financial crisis, it's really kind of swung in that direction. Yeah, you've got a, next week, you have a New York Times piece, an op-ed yeah. on these companies that are doing away with the requirements for college degrees, Google and so on. Is that a yeah. good or a bad thing? What does it actually reflect? I wonder whether ultimately, again, it, it, it suggests um, not everything is 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 altogether good especially with ai yeah. yeah i mean ai is is a whole new part of the discussion that i you know when i was writing the book i don't even think i thought about um it's going to it's you know it's going to make this discussion a I lot i mean we got there's a bbc piece i saw this morning uh, ai anxiety the workers who fear losing their jobs to artificial intelligence yeah that's of course journalists um Many people who went to university are going to lose their jobs. That intellectual middle class of one kind or another, lawyers, doctors, journalists, engineers. Uh, does that put guys like yourself who didn't go to college, did that put you in a stronger or a weaker position? Well, I, I assume weaker. And the reason I say that is because, you know, even though a lot of these discussions we're having now about AI are pretty new just because of the generative AI that's out there um, only recently, um, AI has been, you know, part of the job search process for quite a long time. And there were at least twice in my career when I was laid off and needed to find work. Um, it was really difficult for me to get my resume in front of anyone because of these um, automated tracking systems that do use AI, you know, a slightly different kind of AI, I assume, some sort of like machine learning to figure out which resumes to pass through and which resumes to to sort of zap. And, and I, because mine had no degree listed anywhere on it, I was immediately put in the pile the scrap pile. Right. And, and was, as we've had many people on the show warning us that AI is only going to compound uh, yeah. class inequalities, racial inequalities, gendered inequalities. Yeah. So that's an important piece. You had um you had a, a tweet which you 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 retweeted something from Fast Company mm -hmm. uh, about the fight for a 15 hour uh, an hour, fifteen dollars an hour wage not being enough. We need to get to twenty hours. It was written by another guest who's been on my show, Rick Wartsman, yeah, who just has written a book on Walmart workers. Um, this class that you're from, perhaps we might call it the underclass, is it a yeah. minimum wage at best class, Christopher? Well, I think there's a lot of different discussions about what a fair wage would be. I do think that at minimum we should be paying people more than we do. Um, it wasn't that long ago that I, when I first came to New York in um, 2005, I had, I was making $11 an hour, which doing what? Uh, uh, picture frames. I was making, you know, I was working in a picture frame shop. That was my job that I took here before I eventually moved into the world of uh, journalism. Um, but $11 an hour, even then was not enough to live on. And I took it because that's what they paid. And that's that, that Every retail job I've had, I, I worked in retail for like 11, 12 years um, 
as my full-time job and like you which just which is uh which is a minimum wage kind of occupation a yeah occupation generally I, I assume you're pretty happy you're no longer in retail yeah no i mean that was one of my big uh, motivations to get out of the retail world i mean i i enjoyed it at the time when i was younger but i didn't want to continue doing it um but in those jobs you are ex you expect you're going to make minimum wage. So, so Christopher, the, the traditional, what's changed, it seems, is that the traditional middle-class jobs, yeah, from police to fire to education, they either they've disappeared or they require educations. What about the idea where well, you could become a plumber, you could become an electrician and probably earn 100 or $120 an hour. You don't need to go to college for that. And in some ways, you're better off. Yeah. training as an apprentice uh as an electrician or plumber rather than wasting four years and a lot of money going to uh, going to university and actually learning very little and not be better but not being in any way better prepared for the workforce when you come out well i think those jobs are always going to be around to some extent well um we're always going to need plumbers and electricians i do think there is a um there has been a shift in in how our society at large views those kinds of occupations and they're i i for whatever reason maybe not seen as as glamorous as, as something like working at, you know at a, at a magazine um and i don't know if that, i don't know what that does to the to the um the job market to the market for those kinds of jobs but i i i don't know a lot of young people who are you know who say are saying to themselves i want to be a plumber maybe there maybe there are a lot and i just don't know them obviously but but I, I think that um, you, you just mentioned two jobs that I think will always be with us to some extent. And, you know, electricians. Um, yeah, AI plumbing. isn't going to kill the plumbing business or, 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 or people who fix uh, electrical systems. But it is going to kill many of the professions that supposedly train, that, that college trains you for. Is that a good yeah. or a bad thing? And what's that going to do to college, Christopher? Is it going to make it even more unequal there's always going to be the harvards and the princetons the yales the stanfords yeah there's always going to be state systems and everything in between is going to get decimated i think that that's probably right i think you do i already feel like since the pandemic there's been this kind of hollowing out of uh these middle tier schools that aren't as they've seen a big drop in their um you know in people applying for them whereas the big schools you just mentioned like Yale and Harvard like they're they're seeing this enormous increase because everyone wants to go to those schools and have that that branding because they know that that brand Harvard or you know or Yale it's it's it means something it still means something in this world to have that you know what would you say area. Christopher to guys like Daniel Markovitz he teaches law at Yale Yale law school top mm -hmm. law school in the country um, he, he, he's been on the show a couple of times. He's become one of the great critics of our meritocracy, suggesting that places like Yale Law School make the kids miserable. It's too competitive. What yeah. would you say to people like Markovitz, as someone who not only didn't go to Yale or Yale Law School, but didn't even go to college, about this yeah. idea of college supposedly should make you happy? It's funny, like, I feel like we might agree to, to a lot on that to some extent. Um, the, the meritocracy myth is definitely a real thing. And I think that um, 
where it comes into play in my world more so is the is the myth of the superstar dropout and i talk about this a little bit in the book especially you mean the zuckerberg or the gates exactly right and you jobs exactly and there's there are there two almost two ends of the same coin these are people who you know could have had harvard on their resume but didn't need to because they they were seen as whatever so brilliant and uh forward thinking and visionaries um as someone who didn't go to school, especially when I before I got into my career and before I really even learned how to do it, um, those kinds of stories were appealing to me because I I sort of fell for the hype that you didn't need that college degree. Look, if Mark Zuckerberg could do it or, you know, I was probably a little bit older than Mark Zuckerberg. But like, you know, when, in my time, there were plenty of superstar dropouts that I could look toward you know, especially in the, in the filmmaking or, or writing world who didn't go to school. And you, you learn to buy those stories like catnip almost as someone who doesn't have that education. It's rather um, like winning the lottery. Yeah, exactly. It? I mean, I'm sure there's always going to be someone who drops out, who makes a fortune in a startup, but you might as well just go out and buy a lottery ticket if you want to get rich. Yeah, they're the outliers. And that's what makes the great headline is, is the outlier. And whereas in the, the real statistics are pretty clear and um, economic data is pretty clear that if you don't have a college degree, you're going to, you're going to make a lot less money on average than someone who does. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be outliers and there always will be, but. How is this going to manifest itself in political terms? We've done many shows on the increasing political divisions in America. One a couple of weeks ago with Tom Edsel, New York Times mm. columnist. He has a new book out, The Point of No Return, American Democracy at the Crossroads. And he made the point when he was on Keenan that the great division now in America is between your educated elite yeah. and everybody else, the uneducated, the, yeah. the term of your book, the, the world that you're from. Do, do you agree? And how is that being manifested in political and cultural terms? Well, I think this this was a, probably part of the inspiration for me to to write the book early on. Uh, my first exposure to this argument was probably during the 2012 um, election between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. And even even back then, there was this narrative in the in the news media that the, the white working class, in particular, was going toward Romney, um, even voting against their interests, some might would probably argue, um, and that there was this divide that you were assumed if you were college educated and lived in a city, you were voting Democrat, and if you didn't have a college degree, you were probably voting, you know, conservative or Republican. Um, and that that narrative has taken hold and really continues to this day. And I think that there is a lot of truth to it. I also think that it's uh, it's a sort of an oversimplified. Uh, version, if you really look at at what divides us, um, you know the the college degree is is um, um, an aspect of a bigger you know a bigger divide that that happens in in culture. What's what are the the policy suggestions in the book or the the suggestions? What what are you advising? Your book is unusual. It's a memoir of flunking out, falling yeah. apart, and finding your worth or finding my worth. Most people who flunked out and failed haven't found their worth. Are you suggesting that everyone can or that you're, you're unusual and that your story can't be seen as the bootstrapping story to encourage everyone else to bootstrap themselves? Yeah, I guess I don't want it to be seen as, as, as a bootstrapping story 
too much only because I do feel like even now, like I don't feel secure. And like, if you see what's going on in the the media world, like BuzzFeed News just closed. Right, down. you have every reason to be insecure. BuzzFeed exactly. News just yeah. laid everyone off. AI can do that job. A A AI can can create yeah. a BuzzFeed article in 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 five seconds. Yeah, exactly. So like my, I'm 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 always one layoff away from being exactly where I was when I first started. And what would you do if you were laid off? Now, are you in a better position? Could you pursue another career? I don't know what, what else I would do. I mean, I've been in this business for, uh, you know, almost 20 years. So um, it would be difficult uh, to, to change. Um, but I, I would be, it would be tough. Like any of these, any of these layoffs you, you hear about, every time you hear about like, I don't know, these mass layoffs, like every person in that situation is having a hard time. You are especially going to have a hard time if you don't have the, the college education. To You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't if you go to college, yeah. Christopher. It seems to me, I mean, previous Democratic presidents uh, and even Republican presidents fetishized college. They said if all Americans can go to college, America will be a better, richer, happier, fairer place. Yeah. I don't hear Joe Biden say that. Is Do you think we need more or less colleges? Is 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 the the, the moral in your book that uh, that not everyone needs to go to college, that you can not yeah. go and turn out like Christopher Zara? Or are you suggesting that really we need to try to insist that everyone has the opportunity to go to college? I think both of those things. I think everyone who wants to should have the opportunity. If we could, if I could build my own version of a, of a world that was a little bit more fair, it would, it would have both of those pathways. You would have, because there are a lot of people who just don't, succeed in a school environment um i was i was one of them obviously and for whatever reason they they the that, that traditional classroom environment is not an environment where they thrive and they need a different pathway and then on the other side of that there are a lot of people who would love to go to a traditional university and and can't afford it um and don't want to take on the debt and that's understandable too well, who's going to pay for it christopher yeah, I, I don't, I don't go that far. To Do you have expect to, the state to pay? Yeah. Should it be free? I mean, these are all tricky questions. Finally, yeah, um, it's an interesting book, and and you're very honest in in this book. It's a, it's it's an unusual memoir, uneducated. It's out in the middle of uh, May. What do the people you left behind, if that's the right way to describe it, how, mm -hmm. how do they think of you now? The friends you grew up with in New Jersey when they hear of you living on the Upper West Side and, and working for Fast Company magazine and having a, a book out and, and, and being quite famous in your own way? Well, <laughs> I mean, if I'm, if I'm famous in my hometown, it's news, it's news to me because I don't think they accept interactions. Well, you're going to have an op-ed in the New York Times, the book. It may not be quite as successful as Educated. No yeah. books are but it'll probably get a good run, get lots of interesting reviews. You'll get speaking opportunities. People will take you more and more seriously. What do they think of you now? I mean, as far as I know, you know, we, we have some interactions on Facebook and we're all still kind of, uh, you know, you I, don't I go say, back down there. Uh, I do. My dad still lives down there. And so I do occasionally go, but I don't really, I don't see, I don't see anyone from my old high school just, just because like there is, there there's been a political drift i would say and for a lot of people that i i went to school with um, well you mean I, you don't share that trump voters yeah or yeah i mean to to 
not even just that. I mean, it, it, there was a, a whole period where when everyone was on Facebook and posting these memes and it just got nastier and nastier that I, ju I just had to hide a lot of people because I just like I don't need that kind of negativity in my in my life. And so um, to answer your question, I really don't know. I don't know if they'll read the New York Times op-ed and I don't know if they'll read the book. I hope they do. Um, but I don't I don't speak. You know, I don't have a lot of interactions. My family's happy. So <laughs> there's that.